for today, we're going to go to Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11, and the title of the message is A Beautiful Act. Probably one of the most beautiful acts you will find in the scriptures that was done unto the Lord. So stand with me for the reading of the word. It's Mark chapter 14, 1 through 11. The word of our Lord, after two days it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. And then she broke the flask and poured it on his head, But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, whenever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as to her memorial. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray her. And Father... You know, we come before you, Lord God, and we have, Lord, we have, many of us today have poured out, Lord God, our spikenard, our, our perfume upon you. We have done, Lord God, what we could. We have given you, Lord God, what we can. And I know, Lord God, it is something that, that brings joy to your heart. These are things that you do remember. And Lord God, I pray that all here, Lord God, that our hearts would be in a place like Mary, who came and anointed you, Lord, and Lord God even got down on her knees and washed, Lord, your feet with her hair. So, Father God, we pray, Lord God, this morning, give us a heart like Mary, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, let me stress something first as we go to this message. In throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, God has called us to a relationship with him. He has not called us to a religion. In, in Malachi chapter 6, uh, 6 through 8, it, it says, um, with, it's actually Micah chapter 6, 6 through 8. Sorry about that. And um, it says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before uh, the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old, with the Lord it be pleased, with a thousands of rams, ten thousands rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And what that's talking about, that's religion. Okay, and that's really, that's religion without heart. So if, if you're giving burnt offerings, give a thousand rams to the Lord, you give ten thousand rivers of oil, hey, if you give your firstborn, to the Lord, you dedicate your, your firstborn child to the Lord. If your heart's not in it, what it's basically saying, it's, it's worthless, it's useless. And then in verse 8, he says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I want you just to notice that, that last phrase, to walk humbly with your God. But that again, is a call to relationship. What, what happens when you walk? When you're walking with someone, and again, you're, you're in close proximity, you're walking, you're walking with a friend, you're walking with a loved one, you know, you're walking along a country road, or you're walking along the bre- the, a, a beach, and you're, you know, you're, you're communicating with each other, you're, you're, you're talking with each other, you're laughing with each other, you're listening to each other, you're sharing your hearts with one another. Your, your attention, okay, is focused on the person. And you're, you're listening to them with your heart. They're sharing their life with you. You're sharing your life with them. You're, you're in harmony. 
And you're enjoying, right? You're enjoying their company. You're enjoying their friendship. You're enjoying the relationship. Well, again, that could be, that could be a wife, your wife, your spouse, your husband, your, your children, a, a friend, grandchildren. But that, that, again, that is what God is calling us to, to walk humbly, to walk in relationship with him. Not religion. And then in Hosea chapter 6, 6, it says, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love. I don't want your offerings, I want you to know me. Again, again, sacrifices, you know, just dead religion. Giving lip service to God. Right, just go, going through the motions. Heartless, you know, rituals. And, and listen, th- this th- was the rebuke of Israel, but it's in the church. I mean, you, you could have basically done everything that you did this morning, and you, you could be singing songs, and basically your heart is a million miles away from you, just mouthing words. You can be clapping your hands and lifting your hands and going through all the, the religious motions and not have any kind of heart fellowship or heart relationship with God. And so he says, I want your love, and I want you to know me. But that's, that's the Christian life. Like Jesus in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To, to know, and the word there, genosko, it's an important word, learn that word. I don't have every Greek word that I spit out at you, a Hebrew word that I spit out at you. It's a good word to know, genosko. That's, that is a word of intimacy, to know someone and to enter into their life. It's, it's a heart relationship. It's, you know, you laugh with them, you cry with them, you get angry with them, right? When I say not with them, but with them, at the things that, that anger them. But you, 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 you know them. And there's a big difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. Okay, many of you, most of you, know about me. You don't know me. I can tell you that, sure. You don't know. There's a few people in this church who know me, my wife being one. My, my, my daughter sitting in the back know, you know, knows me. But most people, don't, they, they don't know me. They haven't entered into that relationship with me. Okay, And there's, again, big difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. God wants us to enter into a relationship and know him. So this, this story here about Mary coming and anointing Jesus, this is a woman who knew Jesus. This is a woman who, who loved Jesus. This is a woman who was loved by Jesus and that inspired her to do this very beautiful thing. Now, when I read the entire 11 verses to you, there's essentially uh, this wonderful, beautiful act is done with a backdrop. And here's, here, here's the backdrop. You've got, okay, this, this beautiful act, right? And then you have this backdrop here of... Judas and the religious leaders. This beautiful act. It's kind of like life, right? You know, you saw, you saw the injury of this, this football player for the Buffalo Bills, and it was a terrible thing. Everybody praying for him. And there was a lot of, of beauty that, right, of just the whole country just came out for this young kid who collapsed on the football field with a heart attack. But, it, you know, in the midst of so much ugliness happening in our world, right, so much ugliness happening in our world, you have this, this moment of, of, of crisis, but it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see this. So again, here's this beautiful act and a backdrop of ugliness, Right, you, you have the religious leaders, the Sadducees and Pharisees, and they, they absolutely hate him. And right here, verses 1 and 2, after two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. Here are these, <laughs> these are very bad people. These are very evil people. These, these are people, I mean, they're, they're, these are religious, extremely religious people. And I, I mean, they are covered with religion. 
the religion of hypocrisy, the religion of legalism, the religion of selfishness. I mean, it's, it's in the garments they wear, the tassels right on their garments, the boxes of scripture that they wear on their heads. They just talk the talk, right? But they don't walk the walk. They're, they're hypocrites, They've got, they've got 10,000 religious rituals about washing and dressing and eating and touching and don't touching. And, and again, their hearts are a million miles away from God. Listen, in the book of Acts, Peter before them said, you killed the author of life. <laughs> Think of that. The very God that you claim to be worshiping, you killed him. And then in the backdrop, you have Judas, right? One of the 12, right? He's been called. He's been chosen. He's in the fold. He outwardly looks the part. He's got the title apostle. But he's a million miles away from Jesus. I mean, he's pious, right? He's, he's, he's pious, as I, as I have grown older, and I think wiser, I don't pay much attention to what people say. I, I pay attention to what they do and how they live. I just say, in the selection of your leaders here, elders and deacons and pastors, and other people in ministry, I can tell you that I don't really care what they say. And we're looking for a profession of faith. <laughs> but I'm really looking just at the way they live. Their consistency. Their devotion. right? Their, their spiritual discipline. And their love for God and love for people. But um, Judas, right? Judas, he, he looked the part. And, and look again what the passage tells us. Verse 4. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might be sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. By the way, that's Judas, Judas instigating that. We know that from the other Gospels. Judas is saying, Hey, you wasted three, uh, 300 denarii. You wasted an entire year's salary on Jesus. And what was he doing? Why was he complaining? Because he was dipping his hand and stealing out of the money bag. And then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to portray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. So he betrays Jesus for, what, 30 silver coins? So again, just the, the, the backdrop. There's the backdrop. Religious leaders... And a hypocrite, and I'll tell you, this beautiful act eclipses it. And I, and I say that because when, I, when I've read this passage, and I study verse by verse, word by word, I, I look at this passage, and I do, I, I, I see the religious leaders, I see Judas, but what Mary did just totally eclipses, right? That, that, that darkness, that, that, that evil. So, Let's look at Mary, a beautiful act. I'm going to share with you a couple of key things here. First, Mary's act flowed from a deep love for Jesus. She's, she's motivated by love. And that, that is, folks, that is the, the motive. That is the ultimate motive of the Christian life. That's it. Why do we worship? Why are you here today? Why are you serving? Why are there people serving in all these other parts of the church, working with children, working in the nursery, working, you know, working with, with videos and sound, everything? The only reason, the only reason, and I've got to tell you this, the only reason I'm here doing this, believe me, it's not the money. It's the, the, the love of God. Right? That, that, that is the motivating factor. It's not fear. It's not greed. You know, it, it, it's not I'm here. I, I, I want something. If, if your motive is anything but love, that should send a red flag off in your mind. That you're, 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 you're not right. Your, your heart, your heart is, is not right. So, I'm, I'm going to take you back, okay, probably about a year before, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, 
It tells us this. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary. That's, that's the Mary. Okay, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. That's the Mary that anointed Jesus, right, in his last week, who also just sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I just want you to see that. So Martha, Martha's busy serving and uh, this conflict happens between sisters. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen to do the good part, which will not be taken away from her. I just want you to see, see Mary. Mary is awestruck by Jesus. She's captivated by Jesus. She is enthralled and enraptured and engrossed and consumed with Jesus. Jesus is the center of Mary's life. Now, she's the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. She likely has an occupation. Okay, and a lot of women in, in those early you know, time of, of, you know, of Jesus in the first century had occupations. So there are, other, there are other things going on in her life, like there are with yours and like with mine, but who's the center of her life? Jesus is the center of her life. She's in love with Jesus. She's in relationship with him, and she's experiencing his love. Second, Mary's beautiful act flowed from her close relationship with Jesus. So in, in John 11, verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So this is when Lazarus dies and Jesus goes and raises him from the dead. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Mary, and, and Lazarus. Did Jesus love them? Did Jesus love Mary more then he loves others. So, in, in John's gospel, this is a theme. John says this, five times the disciple whom Jesus loved, I, I, I cite all five of them there. Which again, this leads us back to the question, did Jesus love John more than the others? Did he love John more than Peter? Or John more than Thomas? Or John more than James, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, in, in John's gospel, you see this affirmation of God loving everyone. So in, in John 13, 1, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you, all of you. So it's, it's an admonition that he, he loved everyone. But, but John, right, John just seems to be absorbing that love and Mary seems to be absorbing that love much better than the others. Much, much better. And I, I, I believe, again, John has this soft heart and he is just deeply identified in his relationship with Jesus. Right? He, he's a fisherman, right? He, he's an apostle, but he identifies himself not as an apostle, not as a fisherman. He identifies himself as what? The one whom Jesus loved. He has this intimacy with Jesus. I'm loved. Who are you, John? I'm the one who Jesus loved. Right? That's, that's the, the, the intimacy. That's the relationship that he has with him. And I think Mary came to the same place. She came to the, the same conclusion. Jesus loves me. I'm, the, I'm the, the one that Jesus loves. I'm loved by the Son of God. Our, our, our souls are, are like a barrel. And everyone in this place has a soul and it's not the same size as everybody else's. 
Some people, right, they just have this, this unique ability to just absorb the love of God in a much greater way than other people. Those people have always been very attractive to me. I, I, I've read their books. A.W. Tozier, right? Charles Spurgeon, uh, St. Francis. St. Clair. Jean Gano. I have their books in my library. They, they, they all weren't great theologians. They were just people who had this ability, and I think they just had a really big barrel. Their barrel was, was really big, and it wasn't that God was trying to pour more love into them than other people. It's just that they had a bigger barrel to receive the, the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the kindness and the gentleness and the goodness and the compassion of God into their lives. And they enjoyed, listen to me, by the way, let me just say this about the barrel before I go to my next point. They're made of rubber. Do you understand? They expand. And the more you allow the love of God to come into your heart and into your soul, the bigger they get. All right, number three. Mary's beautiful act flowed from her belief in who Jesus is. And she had, she had really sound theology in who Jesus is. It says, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I just want you to notice, again, this is an Orthodox Jewish woman. You don't bow down at anyone's feet. You, you don't bow down at the king's feet. You don't bow down at the priest's feet. You don't bow down at the Pharisee or the Sadducee's feet. The Orthodox person, right? Remember when Cornelius bowed down at Peter's feet? What did Peter say? Get up, I'm only a man. Right? This, this is an Orthodox woman. See, people today, they, they bow down. Raised my kids. You bow down to no one but God. So my son's a policeman in Pennsylvania. He calls me on the phone. And during Black Lives Matter, some of the police departments were kneeling before the Black Lives leaders. Remember this? And my son called me on the phone. He said, Dad, I ain't bowing. I said, what does your chief say? I said, go talk to him. He went to the chief. The chief said, I'm not bowing either. But he would refuse to raise him. I would bow down before no one. You're going to have to beat me down. And uh, before, you know, I, I'm going to bow down before you because I only bow down before God. And I, I'll tell you, all those athletes in the NBA and the NFL who refuse to bow down, I give them all the credit. They're true, true Christians. But these, again, same thing. We're, we're orthodox in our faith. We bow down before no one but God. And she bows down before Jesus. And she calls him Lord. And that's kyodios. That is, that is God. Supreme authority. She believed that he was God. So her beautiful act flowed from her belief. Her worship flowed from her belief that he was God. And that is a key place where our, our worship, our giving, our service needs to flow from. From our belief that, that we are serving the living God, the creator, the sustainer, the one who knit us together in our mama's wounds, the one who bled and died for us on the cross In 1 Corinthians chapter two, um, 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, for the love of Christ compels us. There it is. That's, this, is this is one of my favorite all-time verses. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Compelled, motivated, inspired, forced, by his love. Not coerced, not manipulated, right? Motivated by his love. All right, number four. Mary's beautiful act flowed from a desire to do what she could. So Jesus says in, in Mark 14, 8, she has done what she could. And, and that is what Mary did. She did 
what she could. She did all that she could. Now, now, I'll tell you, she did a whole lot. But essentially, she gave what she could. You know, a lot of people, right, when it comes to church life, they come to church, and maybe some of you are here today, asking God what he could do for you. What can you do for me, God? What can you give me? And, and Mary gives us an example. It wasn't about God, what you could do for me. It's God, what can I do for you? This beautiful thing happens when we come with that attitude and we come with the attitude, hey Lord, I'm going to do what I can for you. Then suddenly it opens the doors for God to pour out all kinds of blessings on us. But he has given us, right? Time, talents, treasure, energy. And he says, come now and give me what you can. The fifth Mary's beautiful act flowed from a grateful heart. She was grateful. Why was she so overflowingly grateful? What had Jesus done for Mary in just a short time ago? She, he experienced forgiveness, but something else, something in this, in this world. What did, what did Jesus do for Mary? Just a, a, in John, just a chapter before, he, he, he raised her brother from the dead. <laughs> Wouldn't you be grateful if a loved one who you deeply loved had died and suddenly Jesus just comes over and he raises them from the dead? John chapter 12, 1 through 3. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Are you thankful to God every day? Every day. I write a prayer. I say this to you, you guys have heard this too many times from me. Every day I write a prayer. I write it out in my journal. Did it this morning and I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for his spiritual blessings, for his blood, because without his blood, without his death, I would still be doomed in my sins. And I thank him for his grace because he's given me what I did not deserve. And I thank him for his mercy because he has not given me what I have deserved. And I thank him for his forgiveness and all his long-suffering. Boy, he is so long, and I don't even want to use the word patience. His long-suffering with me is so incredible. Because Lord, if I was you and, 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 right, and, and I was me, you know, Lord, I would have I taken me out of here a long time ago. How great is the long-suffering of God. And then I, then I thank the Lord for my relationships. And I thank the Lord for Sue. And I thank the Lord for my kids and my grandkids and friends and you. Friends. I thank the Lord for all the answered prayers. I thank the Lord for healings because we have experienced many healings. I thank the Lord just for his provisions and his protection. And then I I will thank the Lord for the material blessings. He's met our needs, always met our needs. In this church, in our own personal lives, he he has always provided. And I just, just, just thank him every day for all just the, all those blessings he's poured out upon us. So Mary, Mary's beautiful act flowed from this just heart of thanksgiving. Hey, thanksgiving, the day before thanksgiving on that Wednesday this past year, my grandson, I think I've shared this with you, he was diagnosed with a cyst in his brain. And um, when Sue and Rachel went up that day after... Three months after the diagnosis, the doctors could not find the cyst anywhere. They couldn't even find the sack of a cyst that had ruptured. It was gone. And I remember that, that I'll never forget that Thanksgiving night, right? The Thanksgiving that was just overflowing from our hearts. We thank the Lord so much. So there's always things to be thankful for. And even in the worst of times, there are still things to be thankful for. And then the sixth, Mary's beautiful act flowed to the extravagant. And um, I should have put extravagant in all capital letters because this is extravagant. 
So in, in, in verse 3, uh, let me go to verse 4 of, of, of John 11. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son who betrayed him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 300 denarii. How much is 300 denarii? Those are Roman coins. How much is that worth? Well, it, it, it's worth a year's wages. And an, an entire year's wages. I want you to think, of, have you ever given to the, I haven't, given to the Lord an entire year's wages at one time? Now, I know, look, if you're, if you're a faithful tither, you've done that through your life. You've probably done it many times. But just one time, one time giving, I mean, just, just imagine that. Uh, whatever, whatever you make, right? You make 40, 50, 100, 200, 300,000 dollars, more. Just imagine coming and giving all of that to the Lord in one offering. Let me just say that's extravagant. It was, it was this expense. By the way, that's a, a jar that was found by the archaeologists, an alabaster flask of um, essentially spikenard. It's a fragrant oil that comes from India. And let me just say, you say, well, geez, an entire year's wages. Yeah, it was really, really valuable. And remember, they didn't have showers like we have. They didn't have bathtubs like we have. And uh, that, was, that, 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 that perfume was really appreciated in the time that, that they were living in. And, uh, but... Just, it's, it's just such an extravagant, extravagant act. And then Mary's beautiful act will be remembered forever. So it says in verse 9 of Mark 14, Surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her, as a recorded memorial as a reminder it's it's in God's record book and here we are today 2,000 years later right doing exactly what he said and probably being preached in in tens of thousands of churches all over the world remembering Mary's extravagant act now I want to say this God in the scriptures, remember some things, but he also forgets some things. So in, in, in Isaiah chapter 43, 25, it says, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Might be a little hard to grasp because God is omniscient and he knows all things, but he chooses not to remember our sins, past, present, and future. He knows everything, but he chooses to forget, Right? Our sins. Micah chapter 719 says, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And now will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And um, Corrie ten Boone, this is her quote, God takes our sins, the past, the present, and the future, and dumps them into the sea and puts up a sign that says, No fishing allowed. In, in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us, and you know the two shall never meet. So he, he, he forgets. We may, we may constantly, the devil may come and remind us of them. We may remind ourselves of them with our guilty conscience. Other people may remind us of them. God has forgotten them. That's Grace. That's why John Newton penned Amazing Grace. Now, some things that God forgets, praise God. And there are some things he remembers. He remembers, right, this great act of Mary. Look at what the scripture says in Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So it's not just our labor, it's not just our ministry. Right? What has to be the mover of those things? Love. When, when you are doing something unto the Lord and you're doing it out of love, and it could be, it could be 
a little thing that you may not think is very significant. It could just be, it could be helping a child or loving a child or calling somebody who's hurting on the phone. It could be, it could be praying out of love for someone from your heart. The, peop- the people in nursery, the people doing Sunday school, the, the people doing ushering, all these different things that are going on in the church, when it's done out of love, God remembers them. He remembers. He's, he's, keeping, he's keeping it in his record book. When I preach, when I prepare, when it is done out of a heart of love, God will remember it. So there are some things, thank God he forgets, and some things, thank God that you remember them. So here's our, here's our final notes. And we'll go into communion. Every day, every day brings a clear canvas. Every day, there is a a clear canvas of opportunity. And you have been given the opportunity to love the Lord. Multiple times, you're given the opportunity. And you may not have or be in a place where you are going to give God a year's wages. But we can give again, right? We can give what we can give. We can give what we have. Mary came and she poured that expensive spikenard upon the head of Jesus and basically anointed him with it for his burial. And then she got down on her knees and she wiped his feet with her hair. See, I can't do that. <laughs> could you imagine if I did that? I, I could just say to the Lord going, hey dude, what are you doing? Just rubbing your bald head all over my feet. And you got nubs, you know. It's, uh... <laughs> These are the things that, that I commune with God about when I'm preparing a sermon. I'm serious. It's... See, it's very difficult for me to do that, but, but there are multiple opportunities where I can, again, display acts of love, right? Helping others, worshiping him, praying, meditating in his word, studying his word. These are are all when, when done from a heart of love, not because I want to be remembered, not because I'm like, oh God, hey God, look, look what I'm doing. How am I doing today, God? Am I, uh, you're writing the stat, you know, that's, that's not what we're looking for. It flows from a heart of love, from being loved, and a desire to love the Lord. Because, like Mary, he's the center of our life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a song played for you. This is Dion DiMucci. How many of you have ever heard of Dion DiMucci? I just gave away the age of a bunch of people in this church. Dion DiMucci released 40 albums and had 11 top 10 hits in the 60s and 70s. He gave his life to the Lord eventually. He, he was really, back in the late 60s and 70s, he was the Ayatollah of rock and roller. Some of you may know where I got that from. I want to play the song for you. It's called The Center of My Life. One of my favorite all-time songs. And then um, what I'd like you to do when I play this, uh, take the cup and the bread in your hand. Don't partake yet. I just want you to, again, just think upon these words. Keep your, keep your soul still. Think about again a relationship and the true Christian life is with Jesus at the center of our life.
song a worship team we should uh, we should add that one about 40 years ago Sue and I gave our lives to the Lord no I'm gonna have communion just wait about 40 years ago I gave my uh, Sue and I gave our lives to the Lord we were not believers we were not church people and we were driving to church on a Sunday morning we used to go Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night and uh, I looked at her and I said you know I love Jesus more than you and she looked at me and she said, you know, I love Jesus more than you. <laughs> and that has been a great sustaining force in our life and in our marriage. Until today. He showed us his love by dying for us on the cross. That's the great expression. So take the bread. Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, take this, all of you, and eat this, for this is my body. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And in remembrance, Lord, of your body that was pierced on the cross for us, we, Lord, partake.
when we chew the bread, my sins crushed him. And then he took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this, all of you, and drink this, for this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, your blood is your life. And Lord, you gave your life for us. And Lord Jesus, Lord, as we said today, we open our barrels and we say, Lord God, fill us. Fill us with more of your life because your life is love. Let us all partake. Now, if you'd all stand with me, the worship team can come up. They're going to lead us in a final song. By the way, that song, you can get it on YouTube. You are the center of my life, Dion DiMucci. The altars are open if you'd like to come up and spend a little time up here praying either on your own or with somebody. Whatever the Lord is leading, come to the altar. Surrender your heart. May your will be done, Lord. Wonderful. 
Say this to the Lord, I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm the one Jesus loves. And may you all go in the love of the Lord and may he bless you this week. Watch over you, care for you, meet your needs. Joanne, it's good to see you. Lou, it's good to see you back. And uh, for those who are not here with us, God, heal them up. A lot of people with colds and viruses and keep us all safe. Jesus, go with you all. The Lord bless you. Amen.